You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. What was that? Uh, we put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many mis- movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. If anyone hears this, please rise for the honorable judge for this episode. Welcome to NPR Radio. Today we have Big Daddy Mars on, and he's going to release his first new album. Big Daddy, what's the name of your album? This week we watched Ghosts of Mars, and it's it's a movie that exists. Uh, it is definitely not one of John Carpenter's best films, uh, because I'm pretty sure it stalled his career for 10 years, 20 years, something like that. Yeah, they let him make uh, one more movie in 2010, and then they he fucked that one up too, and they're like, hey, you're done. That one was also, it was about, also ghosts. about It was also about ghosts, <laughs> yes. What, what movie was that? Uh, Sophie's Choice or something like no, that. No, it was like, know. it had Amber Heard in it. The Ward. 2010. The Ward, right. That's how that's how good it was. Yeah. It left a deep impression. That's how everyone. a career dies. A legendary filmmaker releases a movie that no one could remember or name. But he did do The Thing. He did Escape from New York. He did Assault on Precinct 13. And Mouth for this movie, he decided to combine all of those. Uh, Mouth of Badness as well. Although there's slightly less Mouth of Madness in this and and more just, uh, what are those three really important movies that I made? Oh yeah, the one with the police and the bad guys uh, holding up together to fight a common enemy. One with an infection subplot, like The Thing. And then another with a major, cool, ultimate main character, like Snake Plissken. <laughs> and he took all of those elements and he threw them into one movie called Ghosts of Mars. And somehow it is less than the sum of its parts. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, yeah. Desolation Easily. Williams yes. is uh, like not a cool character. The infection element of this movie falls pretty flat because it's just ghosts that can't pass through walls or something. I don't know. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't physical, make physical a lot objects, of sense. We can come back yes. to that because they do explain it partially. Uh, I'd love to talk about the scientist character at great length. <laughs> and the other piece of this puzzle is the cops and robbers teaming up to fight the zombie ghosts, which also falls completely flat in its face. Anyway, 0 out of 10 would not recommend. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. I'll see you guys later. So the, the real question is, is this better than Escape from L.A. or worse? Oh, boy. Worse. 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 This, worse. Is, this is worse. so much worse. I agree. Okay. So that's the starting <laughs> off that's point, it. folks. If you've ever seen Escape from L.A., this is worse than that. So, you know, absorb that <laughs> bit of information right now. It is not just it's not just kind of worse. It's unanimously worse than Escape from L.A. And there's so many reasons. I, I feel like it's. No, well, I just want to contribute that I feel there's so many reasons. And it's because John Carpenter, I don't know if he was just trying to flex, but he was a triple threat on this one where he was the director, the writer and the composer. And right off the bat in like the opening scene, when you have this miniature train coming in, we get a first glimpse of what the music is going to be. Oh, God. and <laughs> guitar rift after guitar rift. How did I just don't know how to describe it. If anybody wants to take a jab at how yeah, to describe sure. this to, composure. He tried to capture the um, the feeling of like a pit orchestra, except it's just John Carpenter off camera with a fucking electric guitar who knows like four <laughs> chords and he's just slamming on it. And that's the music for all the action scenes. I don't think he wanted, I have. I, I don't think he wanted this. To, like he didn't really care about the movie. He just wanted to upstart his like industrial new metal career. He's like, I've had it. Yeah, I've had it with films. New metal is where it's at. 2001, this is my chance. This was his tryout to join Nine Inch Nails, and he blew oh, it. Yeah. Well, we we also thought it could be a love letter to Marilyn Manson, because <laughs> talking about the big bad, who looks just like Marilyn Manson, I think this movie might have been John Carpenter's, again, like love letter to him, saying, like, I created this for you. I did everything for you. Please take me. And then he was assaulted in a Denny's. 
in Lethbridge, Alberta. <laughs> yeah. Too much info. Look, we all know that happened. Everybody knows about that story. Edit that out. It's not new. <laughs> all right. It's okay. I don't Should live there. You'll never find me. There's. I, I wanna. I wanna throw in one little bit about the music yeah. too. There's nothing because Jay actually said this for Red Letter Media, right? Where it's like there's nothing dumber or lamer than rock music. Uh, that's trying to be a film score or vice versa. And this movie is chock full of that, where it's just John Carpenter before every shot going, okay, we got the lights on. Okay, we got the actors over there. Okay, I got my guitar. And action. <laughs> For 90 minutes, every single scene is set up this way. Don't forget the guitar you- solos, Tom. Okay, before we get, we run away with all of this, maybe someone should offer to give a brief synopsis of this uh of the plot anyone any if no volunteers i'll do it but any volunteers desolation williams is the (laughs) ultimate badass and he's in a place and a squad of lesser badasses but still badasses needs to go to this place to get him to bring him somewhere else but mars is full of ghosts and those ghosts take over some miners and then they got to shoot each other. There's a nuclear explosion at the end. Then the movie's over. Yeah. Except you don't really see the nuclear explosion. I guess you do. You see it from orbit and it's not impressive. There. That's the entire movie. <laughs> Does anybody else have a different interpretation? Yeah. You missed the entire matriarchy part that had so, zero relevance to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a lot about that. He specifically goes out of his way during the opening like credit crawl and like there's text flashing on the screen to just give you some information. Yeah. He specifically goes out of his way to say that society is like matriarchal. There's there's no men in positions of power whatsoever. And uh, that is the extent of that plot point's impact on the movie. Right. Like Pam Greer mentions once how she's like, oh, men are useless. And then Jason Statham mentions once that, oh, there's not many breeders left. And you're like, what's a breeder? Nope, nothing else. (laughs) That is all you get. Do you think John Carpenter just like forgot? Like he just forgot what he was doing. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that (laughs) later. And then they just never did. (laughs) He was too busy tuning his guitar to nail down the things with the script supervisor. He said, oh, go away. I'm busy. That's the riff right there. I'm loving it. (laughs) There's a lot that he mentions that they never really address ever again. They're like, as they're getting off the train, they're like, make sure you keep your, I don't know, helmets or breathing things on because there's only enough oxygen breathers on because there's no oxygen on the planet. And then it's never addressed ever again. <laughs> I, I, I want to say we see a character use one of those breathing apparatuses once after that, but I might be wrong. Another really important thing to bring up is like the way this movie looks. <laughs> it, it's one thing to say, okay, you know, we, we need to film on Mars. It has to be this red desert, barren wasteland. But do all of the interior sets and buildings need to look equally shitty in your science fiction movie? Because <laughs> they're just like rocks and huts and there's nothing else there listen Just Tom, this is exciting this is the future this is mars this is what you get this That's is it. the rock quarry this is the rock quarry that john carpenter could find a place to film this entire movie in, <laughs> and you get what you get uh confirmed yes that is exactly how it feels okay so someone someone should explain the ghosts does anyone actually remember that random scene where they explain what the ghosts are well well, hold on. Let's 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 walk through this. Can we talk about how they introduce the character who explains the ghost first? Her reason for being in the movie. Well, Does anybody yeah. remember that? Let's, let's, well, sure. You- so this squad, this squad shows up. Pam Greer, by the way, she's coming back from Escape from L.A. You know what's ironic about Pam Greer is like her career had been kind of characterized by these 70s B movies and like black exploitation movies and stuff. And then Quentin Tarantino just like loved her as an actress. And so he kind of like gave her the Jackie, uh, Jackie Brown movie and her mm-hmm. career like kicked back into full gear in the nineties. And this is her second career ending move. This is like the last <laughs> thing she does. And that's it. It's like, she but was, she calls it though. She, uh, we, we had a discussion while we were watching it. Like she calls it, she knew exactly what she was getting into. And she's like, nah, just kill me off. Just get me out of here. But like, she's in like, we, two, we need yeah. to, we need to build that scene. Just do it off screen. I don't care. Just put my head on a, like a spike and just leave me. Right. Yeah. What do we know about her character before she dies? She's a lesbian. She's in charge of the squad 
and she's Pam Greer. That's essentially it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she leaves the movie by dying off screen. Yeah, yeah that's it's really strange that it happens like that. And I would love to know if there was some kind of behind the camera issues because it's ridiculous. So the whole squad comes out of the train. Like we basically meet this team on the train heading towards one of the mining towns. They've lost all contact. By the way, they have to do an exposition dump at the beginning of the movie (laughs) to get what probably was originally filmed material, which almost certainly got cut because it's, it's a weird place to start off. But anyway, they get to the ghost town. There's no one there. Well, they're there. They're just over a hill that's like 50 feet away, but they can't hear these psychos <laughs> chanting. They're literally 50 fucking feet from them. For the first 20 minutes, we don't know. They're over this low hill is the best way to describe it. And so, so anyway, the team is Jason Statham, who is a breeder. And that never comes up again. The girl from the woman from Species. I don't remember. Natasha something. <laughs> Natasha. Hen- yeah. Just, or you can just call her Species yeah. Lady. That's it. Yeah. The the only <laughs> lead actress who is willing to take this role, basically. Um, then you have Pam Greer, who's like the squad commander. She's kind of a tough. She's lesbian. You know, this is a slight change from her being a hermaphroditic voice analogued uh, <laughs> crime lord from the last time we met her in Escape from L.A., but. She's got to just be fed up with John Carpenter at this point. Like, dude, can you give me a fucking normal role? Like every time. Um, so but, she, we need- I, but she's kind of the big winner of this because she exits the movie so quickly. She's like, get, yep. get me out of this. And then you forget about her. Yeah. At the end she of the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, she was in this, but not a not third that. of the way through. She ends up as a head on a stick. And she's better off for it because everybody's career, with the exception of Jason Statham, took a nosedive after this movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Didn't Ice Cube do some you stuff? Got Ice Cube. Ice Cube, he launched after this, I feel. Yeah, into family movies. <laughs> <laughs> he made Triple X. Yeah. He was in that franchise. Uh, for one movie? Yeah, for Does one movie. Count? Yeah, we had a discussion about if he did the third one, but we might have to watch it. So Before like Vin Diesel took it back from him, yeah. because Vin Diesel doesn't share. <laughs> Only he can be the star. Only can he we can talk about Fast and Furious now? No, no, we're still <laughs> doing Ghost of Mars. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you think, do you think uh, Vin Diesel would have been a better person for Desolation, Williams? No, Anyone there's only would've... one person who would have been a better person for Desolation, and we all know who that is. Ice tea. No. <laughs> the person who this movie was obviously written for as a third installment of a very popular John Carpenter series about post-apocalyptic worlds and criminals who operate in them. I know the answer. I'm just waiting for everybody else. We're holding for suspense, Dylan. Yeah. Reveal. Reveal it. Ice tea. Ice tea. <laughs> yes. From special victims Surviving. unit. <laughs> Surviving the it's- game. Wait, so you can tell me they touch kids? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's obvious that like Desolation Williams is like a stand-in. And hearing that the studio insisted that it was Ice Cube and not like Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. Because uh, that, that is essentially the only thing that would have saved this movie is having Snake Plissken show up halfway through and be like, oh, thank God, the movie's safe. Yeah. Uh, instead, it's just a bunch of nothing but can we talk about the desolation williams character a little bit sure but i have a follow-up after we talk about desolation williams character so begin okay do do the follow-up first then we'll talk about the character uh could this movie have passed at least maybe as a bit more of a schlocky cult movie if it was just another snake plissken movie yes it would have been better yeah 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 could we have done without desolation williams i like just got rid of that character completely (laughs) And this movie still would have worked, I feel like. We we could have got rid of several, but he was the best out of them. Which is very sad. But the thing is, it's like Desolation Williams is the cause of the entire film. If he wasn't out at the location, there would have been no reason for them to go and rescue him and therefore not encounter any ghosts. That's the mark of good screenwriting. When you can take <laughs> a character out completely and... Everything is improved. They could have just, it didn't even need to be a person. They just, because we need to go to this camp and, and collect this MacGuffin. And then they encounter the zombie ghosts there. And or, that, the movie would have been the same. Or just like, oh, hey, there's no, like, no one's responding because all these yep. fucking ghosts are coming out. And we got to go check out what's happening. Just like, Yeah, it's called the plot of Alien. It's the plot of Alien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's literally Miners, too. But it, Miners yeah, on but the moon. Instead, rather than like a distress call, we get 
we have to go pick up this prisoner because he is the most badass man of Mars, Earth, solar system. We're repeatedly told that he's very dangerous. We know that's wrong. We all know it's Riddick. (laughs) (laughs) If it had been like a Riddick type in there or a Snake Plissken type, or even a, dare I say, Jason Statham type when he started just going hard into action movies. Mm-hmm. There might have been something a little more interesting there because you're learning about this ultimate badass character. What is Desolation Williams' character in this? He's, he's Without the, saying his name or his job, can you describe his character archetype to me? He's the, he's the one who's wearing red camel pants. <laughs> that, is, that is also he's on, true. That's because he's on Mars. That's <laughs> that is an important point. He is... Okay, I'll try and do it seriously. Okay. Yeah, I, he, I got one too. Okay. He is a maverick. He's a rogue scoundrel. He's got an attitude for authority, but a heart of gold. He does what's right okay. when it really gets down to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, w- I would say that he is a misunderstood anti-hero. He's Snake Plissken. He's Snake. What are we doing? He's it's Snake oh, yeah, Plissken. Yeah, he's Snake. <laughs> That's what he is. <laughs> he's just a watered-down version of Snake. He's Snake Plissken. He's, well, he's Snake Plissken without the Kurt Russell, which means there's no charisma, no swagger. No charm. No, no charm. There's nothing there. It's just Ice Cube going like, yeah, I'm talking a little soft in this scene, and now I'm going to... Watch my brother die, but it doesn't affect me. Or maybe it does. I don't know. The movie's over. <laughs> he's just there that's what I remember about Desolation Williams. Yeah, you know he he's actually the only one with a character. I really thought they tried to give Jason Statham. See, this is another thing. We're in a fucking matriarchy, and Jason Statham is still like this slimy greaseball like dude who's trying to fuck chicks. It's like, so what is the matriarchy like? Shouldn't this woman be like, I'm gonna fucking execute you? in the gladiatorial ring where we put men who try to step out of liners. It's just, it's just so bad because right off the bat, I think the first thing that he says to species lady is just like, we're going to bone. Like this is going to happen. Just like locks eyes with her and just like you, me, we're doing it. She's like, not a chance. Not even if you're the last person on earth. We get like 15 minutes into the movie where they're in the worst scenario possible, surrounded by zombie ghosts. And he's just like, yeah, this hallway looks like a good place to prompt you again. You want to do it? And then she's for it. Like, (laughs) they're about to die. Look, Adam, just because you don't understand women or the way they work doesn't mean that you can just take all your aggressions out on a movie. It's completely realistic that in the middle of being chased down by the laziest shitty zombies ever written, you're immediately just going to go, you know what? Let's drop trowel and bone right here on the dusty Martian floor. That's completely reasonable. You know what the best part is? John Carpenter understands women, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to edit it, so anytime you say ghost zombie, that sound plays in the background. Wah, blah, wah, blah. (laughs) Wah, wah, fuck, wah, wah, not. You can tell that they spent literally no time whatsoever on developing, like, the Martian culture. Okay, so a little bit into the movie, they come across a bunch of people who have willingly locked themselves into a jail cell. With no plans as to how they're going to get food or water. But they firmly believe this is the best idea they've ever had. One of these characters is a scientist. She's a science lady who came from some other location further along the Martian railway or whatever it is. Would anybody like to explain how she got from (laughs) the other location where she released (laughs) all of the zombie ghosts to the location of the movie? (laughs) It's a hot air balloon. <laughs> it's a hot air balloon. What the fuck is with John Carpenter and hot air balloons as a mode of transportation to locations? Remember in Escape from L.A. when Snake Plissken like dropped in from a hang glider? And then was there a hot air balloon or that was his hang gliders? I can't remember. No, he now. just he, he, he loves air travel. Well, he loves air travel as long as it's things that aren't fun or futuristic right. like jetpacks or hover boots or planes or anything like that hot air balloon lady decides to hot air balloon her way out of a situation that she created because she released all the ghosts on mars uh which are microorganisms i think now is a good time to probably talk yeah about yeah we should are. introduce yeah. the uh, concept yeah. so i have figured out why this movie exists and <laughs> it's ridiculously stupid of course and i only know this because i watched um prince of darkness which one of which is one of John Carpenter's earlier um, movies. And this guy just reads something 
once in a while. He'll be reading and he'll find out about a topic and he'll become really, really interested in it. And he'll write a story about that topic, not understanding it in any way, like grossly misrepresenting it. And this one was, there might be microorganisms locked in the ice caps of Mars. That was for sure a news story around 2000, right? Yeah. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was 2001. Right. It, w- it was hypothesized whether or not it was proven. It was definitely a theory by this point that there are certain types of microorganisms that can lay dormant for... And I need to come back to timelines here because the fucking crawl made this psychotic claim. The idea basically that John Carpenter obviously read was... Yeah, there might be some microorganisms that are trapped in the ice of the ice caps on Mars. And some microorganisms have been known to lay dormant for a very long time. Now, John Carpenter took very long time to mean hundreds of years. Like, process that for hundreds of years. So that's in the crawl. They said they have unleashed something that's been laying dormant for hundreds of years. We're talking about fucking Mars It's not been hundreds of years that there was once a thriving Martian planet of civilization or something. It's been millions of billions of years or something. (laughs) It's been it's been like decades. Yeah, I think we can all establish it's been decades since Martians have been alive. We know that. And the reason I know this is what inspired this whole stupid ass script was because he did the exact same thing in Prince of Darkness. He read about antimatter. Like quant, he did some quantum physics stuff. He got interested in, and he got really interested in antimatter. So the whole plot of Prince of Darkness is that there's a super devil who's made of antimatter, and he exists in an alternate dimension. And the Catholic Church somehow knew about this and trapped the super devil, aka the antimatter devil, in a giant green vial, and. A bunch of quantum physicists and Catholic priests have to prevent the super antimatter devil from coming to our realm because he read some goddamn article somewhere about antimatter once and then inspired that movie. So that's exactly what happened with this movie. And rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and breather. I solved the mystery of ghosts of Mars. But like, that's the thing. Where does ghosts Why come from? Why doesn't anyone that? care? <laughs> Why, where, where did the ghosts come from? And he's just like, this would be neat. Well, no, because the, the the scientist character gives a very specific explanation, right? Where she's like, look, on Earth, sometimes organisms lay dormant anywhere between two days to five years. And John Carpenter sat down with his guitar and said, I got some great riffs that'll go with that song or that that idea. Then because like no one figured out, I guess, by that point that that's all he does to make his movies. They said, here's $50 million. Go make us another big blockbuster hit and the end result was ghosts of mars you only got 28 28 yeah. wow no wonder it failed another 10 million would have definitely improved that movie. <laughs> you know how much they they only made back 14 so yeah uh, <laughs> yeah Oof. <laughs> That's Oof. A big 14 million and five bucks when i rented it yesterday for the first time in like 20 years <laughs> so so we know that this movie is quintessentially lazy it, it is basically like surface level and no deeper in a lot of fronts where it's like, oh, we need some outfits for our space Martians to wear. Uh, what should it be? It's like, yeah, trench coats, black, <laughs> Oh, I this guess. is this is know. post-Matrix. You can't make a fucking action movie without long leather trench coats. Like, it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's what they thought they were getting themselves into. Like, they signed up for, like, Ice Cube. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be a black badass new on mars that was that was the catch for him that's how that's how they told him <laughs> that's how they spun it to him yeah why would anyone willingly agree to be in this movie well Money. i i heard that most people turned it down oh really <laughs> well <laughs> a there lot. you go ice cube was ice cube was in boys in the hood but like ice cube hadn't had mega hits after that so ice cube was still working and whatever but like well i think it's safe to say that ice cube was as desperate then as he is now he'll take anything (laughs) right jason statham was not the jason statham of today i think it's fair to say the jason statham back then is the jason statham of today he'll take anything (laughs) uh no i mean he he's been hitting it pretty like for fans of action movies statham is a good action hero uh, they like name him. two good action movies that Jason Statham has been in. Oh, fucking easy! That most recent re reboot or Transporter. that spinoff of uh, or Transporter, the one where he has to have sex all the time or he'll die or his oh, heart crank. will explode. Oh my crank. god, that was a great movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one and two. Okay, you got me. 
Um, what about, isn't he in Hobbs and Shaw? Lock, stock, and uh, two smoking barrels? Which I have not seen. I wouldn't classify that as an action film. There's action in it. You got me there. It is an action <laughs> film. You're right. Just like Titanic. Yeah. Just like, uh... <laughs> there's some action in Titanic. Remember that guy who fell and hit the propeller yeah, on the way down? There's some running. There's some action. <laughs> Billy Zane shoots a gun. There's a fire accident. Yeah. God, I forgot Billy Zane was in that. Guys, remember Billy Zane? No, no. <laughs> no. What is the Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. Okay, Ghost, Ghost of Mars. Of Mars. Okay. Every time. It's okay, so speaking of the laziness, mm-hmm. let's just narrow one thing down right off the bat because it's there's some differences between Mars and Earth that I think we can all agree upon. So they said that it's going to be another 10 years before uh, Mars has an atmosphere because they're terraforming it. It's only at 84%. But they don't include anything else such as Mars temperature, Mars gravitational force. We just forget that? Or was John Carpenter just not paying attention to those ideas, those important physical elements uh, behind a location like this? Well, I mean, Dylan already covered it. Uh, he read one fact about animals. If it wasn't in that one article he read, <laughs> it's not making it in the movie. And even if it is, it still might not make it in the yeah. movie because he might have forgot about that. <laughs> There's too many riffs in his brain. He can't keep track of things like gravity. <laughs> when he's busy framing shots and he's going, Da-da-da-da-da. no, not like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one. That's what's important to him when making this movie, not things like logical consistency or not violating physical constraints or anything like that. That's not important. What is important is uh, having a big shirtless Marilyn Manson look alike be the main antagonist for your movie. That's what the people want. Yeah. So, and so in the movie, figure. what did they actually say? It's, it's 84% terraformed in general? Yes. Yeah. So that could mean, was he just trying to like group it all together? Like everything's terraformed. Like they're changing the gravitational force somehow. I mean, terraforming. Yeah, they're just <laughs> adding gravity. That's what terraforming uh, is. Added it. They're just, just going to like, I don't know, condense. Everyone knows gravity is a gravy-like substance that you just pour into a planet. You pour <laughs> yeah. it on. You just throw yeah. more mass at it. Yeah, you just add more they're mashed just, potatoes. They're just crashing like <laughs> Phobos and Deimos and all those fucking moons just right into Mars. Just raise that gravity just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past the people in this universe. Right. Can we talk about how they solve the final problem with the <laughs> we're, Martians? We're jumping, they, right, no, they we're don't jumping even, right to the end. <laughs> hold on, hold on. They don't even solve it, though. No. Well, and they that's think the they think part. they th- they think that they solved it. They they like they fight some of these these zombies. They go back to their home base or whatever, or are they halfway back and they say we got to go back and solve this problem. And f- conveniently, there's like a nuclear power station or something that's right beside the train tracks. We got to blow this up, and they'll solve all of these problems like right away. So yeah, I think we're lo- we're losing the thread. We're losing the thread because we were we're still on. Um, how the doctor lady escaped in the first place. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did do that. <laughs> okay. So okay. to get us back so. on track, uh, you're going to need to edit out the last 20 minutes. Um, and so <laughs> this is basically what happens. The scientist lady opens up a subterranean vault. It unleashes this red mist. In the red mist is some kind of a microorganism or ghost or whatever. It doesn't matter. Science, okay? So it possesses all the people. About, you know, 70% of them get up and they're possessed by this ancestral ghost of Mars, which is actually just a dormant micro microorganism of some kind that takes control of its host. Um, one of its features is to scar up itself and to speak with a very swollen tongue. Uh, Tom, can you give us an example of Martian? Uh, I think it's a pretty complex dialect, but... Yeah, so you can hear the inflection. That's a regional dialect. Um, That's like northern Martian, Um, but southern Martian has a bit more guttural tone to it. So this scientist lady's response to fucking killing all of her friends is to, oh shit, jump on a hot air, or a, a converted weather balloon, fly down to another camp, crash immediately, walk straight into jail, and fall asleep. <laughs> yes. Then some other, then our team then our team shows up and they're like, hey lady, what the fuck is going on? She's like, I don't wanna just let me sleep. What is her problem? She just caused all this <laughs> havoc and just goes to sleep? 
The best part is that only happened for six hours. They mentioned that she's been in there for only six hours. So she's like, I'm just not going to deal with this. I'm just going to have a power nap and then move forward. Time in this movie is also challenging for me. Like, I don't understand how long they've been there. But we get an idea of that the train has to do a circle, a circle back because it's on a loop uh, to come pick them up once they have the, the prisoner. So they should only be there for four hours but the way that this movie is shot, since it's all at night, it feels like they've been there for at least three weeks. Does it not? No, it feels like one night to me. It feels to like tell, one. yeah. It could be anywhere between like 40 minutes and four weeks. You, you literally just don't know. There's no markers mm-hmm. for the passage of time whatsoever. Yeah. and Very few movies would be helped by having just a static shot of a clock on a wall to show time <laughs> passing. This might be one of them. I don't know. <laughs> just throwing some ideas out there. Yeah. And I mean, what's weird about this movie, too, is you'd think there'd be some kind of buildup or anything to reveal the really deformed humans like that. Most movies would really play that up. That'd be a very iconic scene because you've spent a lot of time and money on making up this um, the costumes and everything. But these ghosts of Mars, which are just like the dead miners, are like revealed immediately, not very interestingly. Basically, what happens is off screen Pam Greer is killed. And we see a fucking crazed monster running up the hill with her head. It's the most anticlimactic thing I've ever seen. Like, did anyone else? Like, we've seen this movie before, so it's a bit hard. But isn't that that's the weirdest revelation of the main antagonist? It's it's the laziest, shittiest way to reveal your villain in anything ever. Where you just have a character lazily running up the side of a hill with another character's head. And then you, you see all of these dudes on the other side of the hill and they're all standing around the lead Martian and he's giving his excellent lead Martian rendition of the language. And that's it. That's all you get. I, I mean, it's a bunch of people with like, it's it's that weird like early aughts, late 90s, like alternative scene where it's like, oh, these are bad guys. They got like hunks of metal put in their face. And like, I get that mutilation is supposed to be shocking and whatever else, but it's just this weird brand of like, I guess this is what the kids do this day. <laughs> Anyways, here's a sweet riff. <laughs> but we're also confused because it was just the way that they presented these scenes where you have these parallel events happening and John Carpenter decides to play each of them out. So you have one section of the the police force go into the prison and you have one force go over into the diner area and it's just like rather than cutting back and forth of this, no, you just follow one. And they're like, oh, wait a second, let's rewind 30 minutes. Now let's follow the second group. And the second group is Jason Jason Statham seeing Pangreer's head on that pole and then finding the Martians and then reporting back into uh, the lieutenant who is now face off with Ice Cube because he took one of the rookies hostage. Right. And I mean, to be fair... The entire narrative is supposed to be told from only the perspective of the lieutenant, the blonde woman, Natasha. I forget her last name. So species. species Natasha Species. Natasha Species. So there is at least some plausible reason why we wouldn't see certain things because the whole the whole movie is basically her being interrogated by her superiors as to like what happened at the mining camp. And so we have these constant cut. It's really annoying, but we have these constant flashes back uh, to flash forwards to, um, to her in this interrogation room. But yeah, exactly what you're saying, Adam, like it, it causes, it just, it makes everything really disjointed and it puts you out of place and makes you lose track of things, which is really weird because John Carpenter is kind of famous for like minimalist sets and this is like the most minimalist, maybe not the most, but one of the most minimalist sets, which unfortunately it was done so poorly. And he had such grandiose ideas is that it really takes me out of the whole thing is because like I'm constantly aware of the space and the space mm-hmm. is kind of stupidly small for the, the, the planetary scale of this thing. Like we were saying at the beginning, they show up in this tiny town. The town is one road and like 15 buildings. And then the decapitation of their leader, there were a whole set of heads on spikes and the entire like 500 or whatever, seems like 500, maybe like 100 miners on the other side of the hill. This is all in a very enclosed space. So like the whole mystery is like kind of ridiculous when they're all in the same like 500 feet of each other. 
and you, and you have char- they use radios a lot in this movie, and I feel like they could just yell really loud, <laughs> and every character would hear everything that's happening. Yeah, you even have like one of the characters, one of uh, Ice Cube's brother, crime partner, whatever you want to call him. When they when they get together, they they realize they have to team up. This is their only way out of this area. They have to get on the train, and when they leave the fort. One of Ice Cube's partners says, I can't see the train. And it's because it is literally 50 feet away from them. That's how small this area is. They run up to the train station. Oh, I guess it isn't here. Then they get surrounded by (laughs) ghost zombies. The ghost zombies don't look like they're ready to attack, right? Like they're just there kind of like for intimidation. But then Ice Cube just unleashes on them and just starts this war. And that's where they lose half of their crew. No, the um, the old guy gets beamed in the head with one of these fucking javelins, and then uh, <laughs> and then they still don't shoot, and they just run up to the train like, okay, we lost three, but I think that's still pretty good, so let's just leave. And like Ice Cube's like, no, we're gonna go shoot, which was like actually a reasonable suggestion at that point. But instead of just standing there and you know shooting with your guns, they decide to run in and just start punching people with their guns. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of bullets not being fired in this movie and a lot of Jason Statham just like acts like club swinging his G36 into people. Uh, it's a very small point as well. But for me, uh, it really takes me out of the movie. This movie's set in what, the year 2176, something, something like that. that. And they're using guns from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. But the important thing to take away from this is Uh, Desolation Williams is a guy who gets things done. When he sees that there's people to shoot, he does not hesitate and starts shooting without even looking where his bullets are going. (laughs) And that's the kind of hero that I want to see a movie about. Someone who's just like kind of lazy, kind of sloppy. That's a hero. Fuck the Snake Plissken noise. I want more Desolation Williams. Where's my Desolation Williams franchise? (laughs) Oh, they tried. Yeah, it looked like they kind of were setting it up. So up to this point, we've there's basically nothing left once you get to like 20 minutes, 25 minutes in. Like we've had the buildup, the mystery, the revelation, the loss of the leader. We have the bad and good guys joining forces. We have the battle. And then you could just end the movie by them getting on the train and leaving. Yeah. And instead, what we get is like three more of these. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like false starts. And then they say they decide to come back for some reason. They're going to solve this problem. They're going to blow up. They have another encounter with them that is identical to the first encounter. Well, I'd say it's it's even dumber than the first encounter because, yeah, like they get stuck in this loop in the movie where they're just like, we got to get inside. And then they get inside and they wait and they're like, maybe the train's here. And then they go and like, maybe the train's there. Maybe it isn't. Then someone gets infected. So they like put them outside and it just it just <laughs> runs like that until they decide to finally leave when the train arrives. Again, the the space of this movie becomes a real problem because they say, okay, this this outpost does have a nuclear reactor. We're going to blow it up. It's all good. We're going to expose the core to the air. Uh, That's fine. Nothing bad has ever happened when you do that outside of just like massive explosions and irradiating your planet and whatever else. But these guys are going to take charge of the situation. They're going to make it happen. Yeah. So their great plan is to stop the train 20 meters before the station let a couple people off, run to the power plant, overload it, while the rest of the people pull up to the station and then start like yelling and screaming and throwing their improvised grenades made out of cans of beans and shooting their uh, not-future rifles into crowds of people. Their plan is immediately foiled when someone happens to just glance over at the power plant and see a bunch of people standing around doing nothing, essentially. Right. And then the rest of the crew, save Desolation Williams and Natasha Henstridge, get killed then they get on the train then desolation williams handcuffs her to a bed and is like i'm leaving because i'm desolation williams then we're caught up to the present then the movie ends that's it that's the whole thing thanks for coming to my ted talk we don't need to talk about ghost of Mars anymore it's finished well they tried so all that happened and they do try to set up a sequel in the end where mm-hmm. um, she's in the the central command's base. She's given her testimony of the events. The command, of course, just laughs at her like, huh, we don't believe you when they actually should. I mean, she's a woman and she's a reasonable rank of military officer. So, I mean, it's a matriarchy, right? So you should definitely believe her. But they don't. 
and the ghost... Couldn't they just send another team out to the site to look at the corpses? (laughs) Why don't they believe her? (laughs) Why don't they have cameras Uh, at those stations? Yeah, cameras that they routinely are watching (laughs) on film, so it's like, why doesn't the other... It's like it's only <laughs> closed like, circuit. We just solved it, right? <laughs> like rather than radio, put out a camera. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess the nuclear explosion did happen. I guess mm-hmm. that would have erased all traces. Right. Sure. Of the yeah. terrible events. And any case, so then the ghost mist comes, possesses the base. Door busts open. Who's standing there? Desolation Williams. He's like, hey, Natasha, let's go kick some ass. Throws her the most chromed up fucking oozy looking (laughs) submachine gun thing ever. It's like, man, it's lucky that you found this gun that perfectly suits your personality. But maybe he had it in storage. And uh, yeah, so they bust out of this building and go to Mars too. Coming to theaters 2021. (laughs) I believe it's called The Happening and it happens on Earth. (laughs) Oh, cheese and crackers. The Happening is a really bad movie, too. Do you remember that scene from The Happening where John Leguizamo, they're like driving down the road and there's all those dead bodies hanging from the trees and the and uh, Mark Wahlberg's daughter's in the back. She's freaking out. He's like, come on, let's do it. Let's do a math problem. He poses, her <laughs> this math, he poses this math problem to her. He's like, what if I give you one penny on the first day and continue to double it for a month? How much money do you have? And her first answer is like, well, I don't know, a dollar? He's like, no, you fucking idiot. It's like billions of dollars as there's just dead bodies. It's the, weird, it's the weirdest movie to ever be made. I mean, a lot of people talk about the, what? No. You're going to rape but... and kill me in my sleep? Huh? No, ma'am. <laughs> no. But uh, John Leguizamo, yeah, with his bath problem. The people have been sleeping on that scene. That's something we need to remember. Yeah. You know what? I could actually enjoy the happening now. Um, (laughs) After watching Ghost of Mars. The Ghost of Mars was so insultingly stupid. The characters suck so bad. Like, I just hated every character. I thought they were so cliche and like. I, he just like he just maxed out in like five ten years and then he just kind of rode. I think he had maybe a couple redemptive movies like Mouth of Madness that like some people were like oh maybe there was something there. Yeah, but I mean I mean we all remember Bangkok Rules. Yeah, we all yep. remember Death Basketball, but those are unique ideas in the midst of a big pile of shit. And if you go digging through that pile of shit that is Ghost of Mars, you're not going to find anything like that in this movie. There's no. There's nothing to grab onto. Donald Redford waiting in the turnpike to die. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we should get to some of our questions because basically that's the plot of the movie. It is kind of a combination of a lot of his other stuff. So it's like kind of got some of the horror body horror stuff that he did earlier in his career. It's almost one of the escape series movies, um, especially with Demolition Williams. He's very much in the same vein as Snake Plissken. And I do really wonder if this, if the rumors are true, this was supposed to be another Snake Plissken movie, but after Escape from LA, they're like, you're never making another one of those again. Like that was, that's done. I think I would have loved that though. It, honestly, I, 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 it would have saved the film if it yeah. was Snake Plissken because he would have grounded it with all this weird like matriarchy shit. And you're like, oh, Snake's got, not going to put up with that. He's going to have sex with every woman. And then the movie ends, right? And like that's... That's fine. I'm more curious of like how Snake got to Mars. Like, how do you explain the time difference? That's simple. The government tricked him and they poisoned him. And he's got 24 hours to get off Mars before the poison kills him. Okay, okay, let's do this. Fuck, I'm let's, so oh on board. God. Oh, it's so good. Is he saving the president's daughter in this one too? And the fucking president is stuck on Mars. <laughs> He's got to save the president of Mars. Sorry, sorry, Matt, this is before your time, but um, Escape from L.A. is the exact same plot as Escape from New York. And we just the both of them are surfing. Yeah, the president is trapped in this city of criminals. You criminal have been poisoned. You have 24 hours. Here's a watch counting down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we know exactly what it would have been like had had Snake Plissken been in it. But that has more stakes, right? Like there's there's the countdown aspect of that. We don't have that with Ghost of Mars. Uh, We don't have any urgency. We don't have any 
I don't know, like tension. I just don't feel anything. All the characters are non-characters to me. At least with uh, Escape from L.A., we had a good laugh. Like there was hilarious moments, even though it wasn't supposed to be funny. But we had a good time. This I did not have a good time. This was just a headache more than anything. <laughs> yeah, besides the guitar riffs, I enjoyed this. Because <laughs> every every character is like completely phoning it in, except for our Martian Marilyn Manson guy. Tom, you want to give me another, another <laughs> oh, taste? Yeah. He was he was giving her because like that was a stunt man who still does stunt work apparently. Yeah, I think he knew he's like this is my one chance to really shine, and was really hoping that John Carpenter would have sat down with like somebody and said, "What do you think a completely alien language could sound like?" And John Carpenter said, "No, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy." <laughs> okay, okay, I got the riff. Now you do the Martian language, and the guy went, "Uh, what? Uh, okay." <gasps> <laughs> you know what the language reminds me of? It reminds me of you ever seen the um limited edition Star Wars revamps that George Lucas did like right before the prequels came out? And in yes. the cantina yeah. scene they had the giant fucking monster alien with the big mouth. That's Ricky Martin. You're just saying Ricky <laughs> Martin there. <laughs> It's it's it very much lives in the space that all Star Wars dialogue does, which is a lazy director who can't write says, "Okay, I guess the alien has to say something funny here." Uh, okay, guy doing the puppeteering, go. Bawa fama mana baba zulu bada. I nailed it. That's really good. Okay, next scene. <laughs> Except we get like eight close-ups of this guy screaming that into the camera in this movie. <laughs> yeah. There's, there are a lot of shots of him screaming. In fact, the final shot of him is him just screaming on a train as it's like fading away in the distance and then explodes. He's just standing there screaming. By the way, I think he didn't even do jack shit in this whole thing. Like he was always menacing, but I think like yeah. grand total, he made maybe killed one of the characters. I don't know. I didn't. I stopped paying attention like to anything really yeah. going on. But it's it's a really bold choice to have a movie without a clear antagonist outside of like the aforementioned ghosts because. Like, your main characters aren't interesting enough to carry it. Your villain isn't really a villain so much as just, like, a force. Because this isn't, like, man versus other Martian man. It's not really <laughs> even man versus nature. It's man versus the willingness to sit through the entire movie to its completion. <laughs> Which, in a lot of ways, is the most pure form of cinema. But uh, it's it's hard to overstate how little they actually make the lead Martian seem to be a credible threat. Like, they, they got him, he's filed down his teeth, and he's, like, jammed metal shit into his face, and he's scarred himself, and he's cut himself up, and then he just kind of stands there and yells the entire time. So, how thrilling. How, how, how threatening would the thing be if the thing just, like, stood off in the distance on a hill and, like, yelled at Kurt Russell for 90 minutes? <laughs> yeah. what are the, that's kind of <laughs> weird priorities. Like, you finally are resurrected after, like, I don't know, 200 years, according to fucking John Carpenter here. <laughs> two decades yeah like literally yeah. Like 30 years they've been extinct and i have a bunch of questions to follow this up about what the hell the martians actually are but like the first thing they do is like oh man we're finally back what should we do and they're like we should really work on our aesthetics first that's our first <laughs> priority <laughs> mutilate so the host we're talking about we gotta like eradicate these invaders it's like no first paint half your head white shave your hair cut your cheeks add some piercings I'm going to go over here and peel my arm skin off and uh, the rest of you do the same. Like five hours later, like already all these reinforcements have showed up. It's like we really should have focused on securing this base before all this other shit was done. But no. But we made balls of barbed wire and we hung them up from the ceiling and it looks very spooky, right? Right. Yeah. This is Yeah, they spent a lot of time decorating the town. <laughs> decorating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so here's the question. So the Martians have a language, right? It's got as as Tom has so adequately demonstrated, there's a Martian language that this guy speaks because it's not just screaming because he's giving speeches to crowds. Yeah. People are surrounding him. Right. It's like yep. uh, he's it's like a Hitler bang in the pulpit kind of thing where he's like everyone's getting fired up by whatever he's saying, even though every word ends in ah. Right. But <laughs> the Martians cool. clearly are also in this mist that jumps from one host to another after the body is killed. So so what is the implication? So were the were the Martians once not mist? Were they once 
<laughs> yes, I, I think so because there's, did they yeah. willingly choose to transform themselves into mist and live underground? And here's here's the, here's the problem because when the mist comes out of the body, the mist is still fucking making noise all the time. It's like comes out of the body. It's like we gotta come get him, guys. And then you're like, have, okay, the mist talks. Get, yeah, and we get ghost vision too, right? That's the best part where you get this weird. <laughs> shot of what it would be like to be a ghost when you can't enter physical rooms but no we yeah. have a, we have a shot with the lieutenant after she gets the ghost inside her um and ice cube and jason statham put her outside to leave right. her to die they drug her up first and uh as she's going through this like acid trip and fighting the the parasite that's in her she's having flashes of the leader the Marilyn manson zombie ghost but then they have like an overlay of this more reptilian creature oh i uh, missed that preach yeah preaching out to other reptilian things so it may seem like mars was full of these lizard people warrior types and that's it but it's like again the way that they shot it it's quick glimpses it's overlaid so it's the opacity is fairly uh, fairly light so you can't actually make out anything because they probably didn't have anything and they just threw it in that's where we get the water shot remember tom where uh doing drugs makes you feel like you're in the ocean i would like to talk about the drugs that she takes that I, is able to successfully repel the martian yeah. host organism or whatever all they have to they they show clearly that all you have to do to get rid of this parasite ghost thing is you have to take some take some acid and go lay outside and have a drug-induced <laughs> orgasm and spit it out, and then you'll be fine. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. Jason Statham doesn't make that connection that he saved her life. She doesn't make a connection that her pills that make her see water in her head can fight the Martians. They just never bring it up again. Really, a lot of this movie is just, and then they never brought it up again. Because I don't think John Carpenter talks about it at parties. I don't think Ice Cube <laughs> puts it on his resume. I don't think that they're ever going to make that sequel this is a movie that was designed to be forgotten, start to finish. <laughs> we might have to email John Carpenter about this. <laughs> One of my colleagues went to a, uh, a Comic-Con when it was in either Calgary or Edmonton, and John Carpenter was there signing shit. <laughs> I guess he walked Whoa. up to John Carpenter. He's like, hey, John, are you working? This is like a couple of years ago. <laughs> hey, John, are you working yeah. any on anything new? John Carpenter just kind of looks up at him from his desk. He's like, no. (laughs) 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 They won't let me. (laughs) (laughs) They won't let him anymore. Oh, my God. And, like, I mean, he was famous for being able to, like, make money on no budget. Up until, I don't know, I don't know when the first disaster, like, I don't think he ever made a shitload of money. Maybe Halloween and maybe, maybe Escape from L.A., maybe Big Trouble in the, like, I I can't imagine any of his movies making bank at the box office, but I think they all do well, and then they become cult classics, so then they have kind of continued afterlife. Well, like, The Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. That was a total flop when it came out, but, like... VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, digital sales afterwards. You know, yeah, like they're they're making tons of money off that. Mm -hmm. Ghosts of Mars is not one of those projects that they make money on. That's one of the ones that they bury in a salt mine on Mars. Never try to recover (laughs) on Mars. It's one of those movies that you put into a capsule and shoot it into fucking space. You're like, look, we spent a lot of money on it, but what if we spent a bit more to make sure no human could ever see it again? <laughs> and that, really, that's what this movie Imagine is. if that's the testament of all the sum of mankind's, like, creativity that the aliens find, rather than, like, the golden record they put on Voyager. So they don't get to hear, like, they don't get to hear, like, Mozart. They don't get to see, like, the Mona Lisa. They find fucking Ghosts of Mars. They're like, Ghosts of Mars. you know... I think I understand why the civilization destroyed itself. 2021. The humans, they knew about the primeval language. Bawa, bawa, faga, baba. It's like in Star Trek, when they, they try to explain why all the fucking aliens are just humans. <laughs> they come up with this stupid, stupid idea of humanoid like precursors. So they're like, yeah, the primeval language. Mawa, gawa, gawa. 
So really, Ghost of Mars is a series that needs to continue. I feel like it's like the Fast and Furious. You know, they stopped making it after three because they're like, oh, it's dead. We'll never bring it back. Now is the time to make a new one. Let's just recycle it. I'm sure that they definitely kept all the props and sets that they made for that movie. Didn't destroy them immediately afterwards. Let's just see the sequel. They're probably all in Carpenter's garage. He probably kept them all. (laughs) Next to the body. He seems like a guy who would keep copies of his own work yeah like yeah. a proud parent you know that's pinning up a, a report on the fridge he's got a copy of uh, ghost of mars on his fridge just hanging there so where do you think he put it though you know like the thing is probably at the top like halloween is up there too ghost of mars is like on the side yeah it's still there but side of the fridge where no one can see has a blue ribbon <laughs> on it saying like you tried i think yeah that sums up this movie yeah. you tried well, everybody tried well no well, one like really phoned it in i wonder what the hell pam greer did though like <laughs> i don't know she, she was out. in she was in escape from la so i don't know also a very small role maybe it was a favor it could have just been a favor yeah right yeah i think they are I'm pals g- i think her character was always fated to die it was just maybe like hey do you want to film your death scene it's like no i'm i'm going home i'm going to bed john i'm i'm done with this and he said okay <laughs> I guess I'll think of something. <laughs> we can laugh all we want. She probably made like a million dollars for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She made she made more on the like 10 days of work than I will in my right. entire career. <laughs> yeah. And she got to look cool. Never really embarrassing. At least she didn't yeah. have to be a transvestite with voice modulation this time. So that's an improvement. Do we look to see if there's a commentary version, like a director's commentary version of this? Do we get more just, insight into this movie or? I mean, we look at search for it, see if you can't find it. But John Carpenter just strikes me as the kind of guy who's like just an ornery old man who's not going to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think at this point in his career, he would have been like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> there was one point when the uh, the electric guitar, he didn't even he didn't do notes anymore. He was just like slamming down some power chords. <laughs> And it was like one power, like A, C, D, A, C, D. And that was the whole fight scene. This is like the fourth fight scene. So he just run out of sweet riffs to do at this point. So he's like, "Mm, better just do the power chords, I guess. I think this scene should be intense. What's more intense than a power chord? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Cut the word power. Yeah. Uh, any any questions before we wrap this up? Because I feel like we've covered everything there is to cover with yeah. this film. I think we've put more thought into this movie than anyone has, yeah. including John Carpenter. <laughs> including yeah. John Carpenter. Okay, can Ghost of Mars be saved or fixed? Uh, I will lead because my idea is the best. Ghost of Mars can be saved slash fixed by removing Desolation Williams and replacing him with Snake Plissken. All of the dumb shit that happens outside of Snake Plissken's character could be forgiven if he was in the movie. Because we'd get like one or two Bangkok rules scenes and it would make up for everything else that was happening. All right. Also, different director, different script, different actors. <laughs> okay, anybody else? I think it would have been better if the ghosts didn't mutilate themselves and it was more like a thing where you didn't know who was a ghost. It was more of that suspenseful who's who like the thing oh and like set it in set it in antarctica <laughs> yeah like the like get get more of the thing in this movie yeah to make it better i mean it kind of i mean he's he's drawing on every single one of his plots in this one yeah yeah i just i needed more thing i needed more thing i think next uh we'll go with matt the real the sensible answer is like the production company just takes their 28 million dollars and puts it in like a sensible GIC or something for, <laughs> for 10 years and comes back and gets a modest return. See what the return is like after that. And then this movie doesn't ever exist. Like that's probably the most rational solution to this. I don't know what else you could I mean you, basically a different cast, different movie, different plot, different setting. So you're saying no. <laughs> there's no, no there's nothing yeah. that can't be can't be fixed. There's no reason for this to exist. John Carpenter could have just released his his new metal album on its own, not make a whole movie to support it <laughs> in the background. Adam, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm just thinking of how I want to do this. Do I want to make it into a trilogy, or do I want to have it as a mini series on Netflix, eight episodes? where you actually get the world building of Mars. You understand it from the miner's point of view, like kind of like Chernobyl. That's what I want. But on Mars, and then you lead into these other characters, such as the Mars police force that have to look into this incident that happened on Mars. So you have like, again, if if you've ever watched Chernobyl, 
have that at the very beginning and then have the group coming in to investigate. But then it becomes this horror film. Then it becomes more suspenseful of like these people are actually like mutating or possessed. That was in quotations. You can't see my hands right now. But then they're facing that force. But then they're also facing the environment of all the radiation and uh, the wasteland that is Mars trying to survive at cold temperatures, uh, low gravity. So you're also saying no. <laughs> I'm building it up. Give it billions of dollars and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm torn too because like I think, yes, this would have been better as if Snake Plissken was in it. But that's because we all love Snake Plissken. Like, I think it probably would have done even worse monetarily <laughs> if it was a third installment of a Snake Plissken movie. No argument there. And yeah. the one thing that I wish that he does do kind of hilariously, what what made Escape from L.A. so great was that it still had the same beats. Kind of like, oh, shit, we got to go over here now. Oh, shit, that happened. Let's go over here now. Why that was hilarious in Escape from L.A. was because every time they'd go somewhere else, they'd run into this ridiculous character. Like they'd run into <laughs> they run into the psychotic plastic surgeon. They'd run into the death basketball place. They'd go to transvestite Pam Greer. They'd go to Disneyland that they can't call Disneyland. So the problem with this is that every time they'd go somewhere, they went to another place that was exactly the same. So I would do that. I would change that. Go crazy with characters and make it a cult classic because that's what you're kind of good at, John. Okay. But but at that point, it's another movie. So you can't save Ghost of Mars. You need yeah. to make another movie set on Mars. Oh, no that's one said good. anything. So I'm right. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. You convinced <laughs> us, Dylan. I think we all kind of agree that this movie just can't be saved. It yeah. needs to be reworked from the ground up. Okay. Was there anything good that you got out of this? Like, oh, that was kind of cool. Ooh. <laughs> just nothing. I do enjoy like schlock science fiction where it's like, it is the year 2176. Mars is ruled by women. And you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> and then of course, like the movie doesn't deliver, but just as like cheap, shitty, schlocky sci-fi I did enjoy some of it until you realize it's just like, what if it was a dumb alternate version of current like 90s reality on Mars? There's there's no actual science fiction. There's barely even any fiction. It's just lazy. So, no, there's nothing that I liked about this movie. Uh, the ghosts didn't look half bad. Some of them. Some of them look pretty stupid, but some of them look good makeup. Here's here's a question. Has anyone ever doing an instance of like ghost vision where the camera takes the perspective of the creature or the ghost or the villain or whatever? Has anyone ever done that and not have it turn out like shit? Yes. Uh, Army of Darkness. Ah, oh, fuck. You got me there. <laughs> That's like exactly. <laughs> okay. Besides, <laughs> besides Sam Raimi. Yeah. Okay. So there is a cool way to do ghost vision. But I don't think it was done effectively in this movie. No. Adam, edit that in somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Edit, edit yeah, don't worry. Right I'll start. do that. <laughs> and edit, edit, edit out my perfect fucking response that totally shit. <laughs> no, no, that is that is ideal. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I was hoping there would be a no because I forgot about Sam Raimi. But um, It's a stupid con But Sam like, Raimi did it tongue in cheek and it was... yeah. Nothing in this movie is tongue-in-cheek. No, no, he takes it so seriously. Right? It's all played straight, and I think that's a failing. If you want to change one thing about this movie and actually save it, make it a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Give it's Desolation Williams an Uzi with a suppressor that's twice as long as the gun and put a scope <laughs> on it. That's what I want. That's what I want. What about a rom-com? Mm -hmm. make, make it into a rom-com. Yeah, just in general. <laughs> Desolation Williams and Natasha. Yeah. Or do you want yeah. to see pervy Jason Statham and Natasha doing uh, just the, just focused on that relationship? I want that love triangle. <laughs> just turn this into a porno. Holy <laughs> shit. The Jason Statham, could he ever be removed from this movie? God, was he a pointless character. Like, you so didn't need him at all. You didn't need anyone. Like we've, we've Yeah, I was saying, you do have a lot of characters. I mean, if you take out Desolation Williams, there's literally no movie. But you, yeah. it'd be pretty hard to take out Natasha. No, she, she needs to be there because she's our, like... She's our insert. She's the one where everyone's like, yeah, I identify with so what she's So why doing. didn't they just make the love interest between Desolation Williams and Natasha? That would have made a million times more sense than fucking random Jason Statham. Because Ice Cube is a lone wolf. He can't be tied down to anything. Yeah, but if this were a Snake Plissken movie, you don't think Snake Plissken's going to get the girl? It's because he's a black mm. man, isn't it? This is 
Bullshit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is bullshit. Snake Plissken gets a girl, but Desolation Williams doesn't. He just kind of chills out while Jason fucking Statham gets the chick. That's stupid to me. I, I don't get it. Pick an anti-hero. Pick a hero of your story. And I don't understand why he didn't. All right. That's all there is to say, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all like, I think we're all done. I think we're at. I don't, I don't know what else yeah. to bring up to this. I don't know what else I could say outside of uh, great film. Best movie experience I ever had. 10 out of 10. <laughs> 5 out of 7. Perfect. Tom, do you just want to close out the episode? Just say, there you have it. John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. Utter trash. See you next week. Okay, I'll, I'll repeat everything I heard. Well, there you have it. That was Ghosts of Mars something. Mars something. See you next week. <laughs> I think I got it all. I think that was all. Cool, of it. I'll edit that together. <laughs> yeah, <nailed> it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well that concludes our discussion of ghosts of mars by the great john carpenter i think that uh, we wasted our time and now we've wasted your time thanks for listening and see you next week when we watch back to the future three okay bye god damn it <laughs> outro music With that, the court is adjourned. Come back next time for a new trial with new litigants in the never-ending parade of schlock that is Grindhouse Courthouse. Motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>